Our first reading for today is Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Listen now to the word of the Lord. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. The word of the Lord. So, oh, I think you can hear me. So um, today's passage is a very well-known story from the Bible, Um, a story of a paralytic who was brought to Jesus by his neighbors through a roof. It is quite a remarkable story because it not only shows Jesus' healing power, but also his ability to forgive our sins. Today, however, I wanted to have a slightly different focus. I wanted to talk about the relationship between the paralytic and the neighbors um, who brought him to Jesus in conjunction with this concept I'm about to introduce. In an article, um, Katie Weingarten, a Harvard professor who studies the effects of trauma, writes about a concept called vicarious hope. She writes, Vicarious hope arises in a situation where we cannot maintain our own hope. It is the kind of hope that takes place when we allow ourselves to be influenced by the hope that others express. When we do not have the resources to keep hope, vicarious hope allows ourselves to be buoyed by others who do and to join in on the actions that they take. Vicarious hope is what carries us forward until we can summon our own hope. Hope is more tangible and physical than we think. We experience hope in a nice meal prepared by an aunt after you've lost your job or in a hug after you failed your exam. Christian hope is expressed through a physical and communal experience of the sharing of the bread and wine in which we see and feel not only Christ's presence but also um, the presence of um, each other at the table. We actively come out to the table and make sure that everyone receives the body and blood of Christ. In that way, we encourage one another to bear our hope in Christ together. 
In the story of the paralytic, we see vicarious hope taking place. On the one hand, we see a man who is bedridden and who didn't have any means to get to Jesus. On the other hand, we see these four men who are capable of walking, lifting, and even getting to Jesus on their own. And these four men, they think of their paralyzed neighbor. They understand that this man can't get to his one and only hope, that's Jesus. So they decide to be his feet. Now their hope becomes the paralytic's hope. And the paralytic's faith becomes the four men's faith as well. In verse 5, it is written that when the four men dug a hole in the roof to bring the paralyzed man in front of Jesus, Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw not only the paralytic's faith, but also the faith of four men, because now they carried the paralytic's hope with him and for him. They were hoping the same thing, the healing, restoration, and salvation. Sometimes life tires out to a point where it gets too hard to bear hope and we get paralyzed in despair. If the man in the story was paralyzed physically, we become spiritually and emotionally paralyzed. When your soul is paralyzed we, um, due to difficult life situations, it is easy to feel as though we can't get to Jesus. We know cognitively that Jesus cares for us, and that he came to save us, but our spirit becomes depressed. And we may even turn our head away from Jesus and convince ourselves that he has forgotten about us. Even before we went on our mission trip, we together prayed for the people and the community of West Virginia. Our prayer focused on God using us as the witnesses of Christ and on our hope that people will see God's care and love through us. As we prepared for Vacation Bible School and the home repair, we were building hope for the people who may be tired and exhausted from carrying their own hope in Christ due to various life challenges. People we met in West Virginia, they knew God, but they were experiencing tough life situations. And some of the situations were hard enough to make them feel paralyzed. We saw broken families, drug addictions, loneliness, and illnesses. Problems that are, in fact, not so foreign to us. I remember one day, we were talking to a woman who lived near the church. She shared with us that her daughter, who was struggling with drug addiction, was recently sent to jail. She was so worried that her daughter would be sent to prison eventually. And we could see how deeply she cared for her daughter and what a kind woman she was as she invited us to come inside her house and offered us cold water. She went on explaining how she adopted her grandchildren as her own to provide proper care. She was doing everything she could to help the daughter. 
it was time that she could really use some prayers, so we gladly prayed for her. As Christians, that was the least we could do for her, and at the same time, it was what she might have most needed in this time of distress, a spiritual support and care that can be physically and tangibly experienced by our presence at her doorstep. She was not the only one who adopted her grandchildren. During vacation Bible school, we got to know this elderly man. He would bring his two grandchildren every day, whom he had adopted as his own well. When he and his wife came for the community picnic at the church, we got to see a glimpse of the challenge that they might be facing to take care of these lively and energetic children, especially with the man's hearing problems. The owner of the house we painted lost her husband a few years ago. When she shared her story of how they met each other at a, such a young age and got married soon after, and how God blessed them with a child later in their life when no one expected it. I could feel her deep sorrow from her loss. Later, Pastor Tim, the local pastor that we worked with, told us how devastated she was when she lost both her husband and her house. For some unknown reasons, she had to give up her house when her husband passed away, a home she and her husband worked so hard to maintain. Thankfully, she was able to get another house, but this house needed a repair, a work that was overwhelming for her to do on her own. When we looked from a far distance, everyone seemed to do fine, but when we looked closer and started having a conversation with them, we realized that many needed spiritual support and someone to tell them and show them how much God loves and cares for them. In the act of caring the people of West Virginia by putting physical, emotional, and spiritual effort and to lay them before Jesus, we have made space for vicarious hope. On our missions trip, we took our time to drive down to a community that has had a tough time and that has been isolated for a long time. When we got there, we helped paint the exterior of a widow's house and baked bread to pass, out, pass around to people. In this act, we have tried um, and carried, uh, we have carried hope for the conciliation of broken relationships, the healing of bodies, and the restoration of the vitality of the community for the people in West Virginia. But it was not solely our work. People in West Virginia also joined in and allowed us to express our hope and faith in Christ, that he will bring miracles of healing to the community. What I was most grateful about the mission trip was that the people in West Virginia allowed us to carry their hope for them. When we went around the town to share the bread, they willingly opened their doors which is remarkable, thinking how people would act um, in New Jersey. Um, and they shared their prayer request with us. They let us pray for them and with them. Also, they not only let themselves to be buoyed by our hope in Christ, 
but they also joined in on the actions that we took. People showed up at our ice cream social and community picnic, and they brought their children to vacation Bible school. Vicarious hope is not a one-sided act, even though it seems as if the ones who are carrying the hope are doing most of the work, it is only possible when the receiving end joins in. Vicarious hope thrives on relationships. So on our mission trip, we talked to the local people, played with the kids, and worshipped together. As missionaries, what we tried to do was to hope vicariously for the people of West Virginia. And this hope ultimately lied in our faith in Christ, that he would heal the minds and souls of people and set them free from the bondage of sins that have been hurting them. The Bible story ends with the paralytic experiencing both healing and forgiveness of sins. By the time we left West Virginia, we were able to put more smiles on people's faces, but that does not mean we were able to bring healing to them immediately. What we did was to carry them and their hope in front of Jesus and lay them before him so God could work in and through their lives. What we did was inviting them to join in on our faith in Christ and showing them that this faith is what can help them sustain their hope because hope can't thrive unless we are free from sins. And it is only Jesus who can do the work of setting us free. A week is a short time to do really anything, but it is a long time of commitment to carry someone else's hope. Yeah, a mission trip is heavy work, just like lifting a paralyzed man on a mat and carrying him to Jesus. It requires effort, not only physical, but also emotional and spiritual. But it is definitely a wonderful opportunity to connect with people and follow God's command to love our neighbors. So I would like to give you a gentle nudge. Um, Why won't you give it a try next time? If we could encounter Jesus in the act of carrying hope for someone, wouldn't you think that it is a huge blessing for us as well? So you that so that again zero degrees. Okay. Zero degree right. so, uh, the negative axis. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do. I want to do the really <laughs> cool. X, X and Y. Are we going with X and Y? Zero comma four. Zero comma four. <laughs> <laughs>
Bingo. You see who Okay. Zero zero. Zero zero. Two two five. What is happening? For me to let go, hard for me to breathe Thinking that I gotta control it all I can feel my worry and anxiety When it's slipping through my fingers and I know it I've been losing my sleep, I've been losing my cool I can feel my heart go boom, boom, boom Staring at the ceiling, feeling like a fool I'm going under and I know it But I hear you whisper to me If I lose my grip, I can see That you are carrying me Because you don't look like you're sweating that badly, but then when you turn around, oh my! And then you realize. Wake up and smile, because it's been a while. It's been like a whole day since I stopped so you could hold me. This child awaits, strong in the faith. Lord, you are the refuge that I can't wait to get to. Cause I can't let a day go, can't let a day go by without thanking you for the joy that you bring to my life. And Seems to rain all my dreams. It's not a big, not a big deal. Let it wash all the bugs off my windshield. Cause you're showing me that in you I'm free. And you're still the refuge that I've just got to get to. So I won't let a day go. Won't let a day go by. So put the drop top down, turn it up. I'm ready to fly. And
What do I need to enter? Oh my god. I look like Thanos. Thanos there. I, I think having regular meals together, doing stuff together, driving together, buying stuff together, hunt, you know, hurrying through the rain together, it all hands together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that special connection and absolutely we, we, we know each other through sweating together and boiling under the sun together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good bonding experience. Yeah. It is fun. This was my favorite year. I feel like I connected with the kids more this year. We had a sports camp this year, and we didn't last year, right? Yeah. So the sports allowed you to like meet kids your age, mm -hmm. connect with them, and over time you built relationships with them, right? Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like excited because I'm going to see my dad again, and I'm excited because I'm going to see my dad again. I'm excited because I'm used to this one, so I'm going to miss this place. Aww. Aww. Can we get a round of applause for Zoe, who spent a lot of time on that video? So my name's Joe, um, and I'm, our team is really excited to present to you what we did uh, this past uh, missions trip. So I'm just going to give you a brief overview and kind of step out of the way and let the team uh, present. Uh, so this year we had a, fifth, six, a team of 16. We had the Changs, uh, Hosan, Zinya, uh, Zoe, uh, Xavier and Holden. We had the Dave and Joshua Chow. We had Mimi Lusardi and two girls, Isabel and Tia. We had our field intern, Han Chin, and uh, my family, uh, Susan, Allison, Andrew, and Ryan. Okay, got that. Um, in the middle, you see uh, Pastor Tim and Rose. They are World Servants community partners in the town of Flemington. Uh, they are also pastors at the church at which we held VBS. And on the bottom right is Cheryl, who flew to us from Minnesota. She is the World Servants volunteer who served with us that week. Next slide, please. So just a quick overview. Uh, the reason why we focus on the Appalachia, West Virginia region is because there's a lot of poverty. We partner with World Servants because they're a Christian missions organization with a long history. And we, in previous years, we actually have partnered with World Vision, but this year uh, we went with World Servants because World Vision actually discontinued their mission strip program late last year. Uh, they have a similar program, which includes home refurbishment as well as vacation Bible school. 
And just to give you a glimpse of the town in which we served, it's Flemington, West Virginia. It's a small town. The population is 318. Um, and just to give you an idea, there, the median household income and the medium house value is like $40,000 and $74,000 respectively, so a bit less than what we have here in New Jersey. Next slide, please. So this is just a glimpse of what a day in West Virginia looks like. We get up early to, to share and to, uh, to pray with, with and for one another. Um, we get to our work to, to the house, and, to, and then we conduct vacation Bible school. Um, and then in the evening, we, as you saw in the video, we have maybe an evening service, an ice cream social, community picnic. Uh, we do a group debrief, which is our way of doing many testimonies to one another, and that's always a blessed time. Uh, for, at least for me, and um, Haun led us in the time of journaling. Uh, she took us through many different types of journaling this year. So uh, with that, I think I will just pass it over to our next speaker, which I believe is Andrew. So we're just going to walk you through some parts of the trip. Right. Um, so for construction, world vision, uh, world servants, and Pastor Tim, who is the pastor of the church that we did VBS at, decided that we would be helping Miss Diana and helping her with her house. Um, not only has she been an active participant with that church, but also uh, the Pastor Tim thought that she could use a little bit of encouragement since several years ago uh, her husband unfortunately passed away due to cancer. So with the project... Mr. Ho led a lot of the team in painting the exterior of her house, and he basically told us what to do and how to do it. And with that, uh, Mr. Dave also helped, led some of the kids in helping with the interior of painting the church as well. And we were really fortunate this year, actually, because with the forecast, was, the forecast was supposed to be raining throughout the entire week, but actually we got really fortunate because we was, it was only raining, it was really sunny for most of the time, and it only rained after the paint was able to dry on the last day. And in addition to that, uh, not one of the big goals of the project is to finish, obviously, to finish the construction. However, another big part is building relationships, not just within our team, but also with Miss Diana. And Ms. Diana was actually really open and really transparent throughout the entire time we were there. And in addition to that, we also were able to find out one such thing, being that she was able to live her entire life in Flemington, which my dad said was only a small town of around 318 people. Next slide, please. One more slide, please. Thanks. So for those who don't know me, um, I'm Susan, I'm Joe's wife, and I'm just going to spend a couple minutes giving a brief overview of our VBS activities. So after we painted in the morning, we went back to the church to hold the VBS portion of our trip. And to kick us off, Isabel, she actually did a wonderful job starting the VBS with praise, and she handled all the logistics ranging from uh, troubleshooting a lot of the AV issues that we had, picking songs, and also entertaining a lot of the a lot of the um, kids with her ukulele skills. So the kids really enjoyed that. And then afterwards, Han and myself, we actually did some of the Bible lessons, and consistent with the message that she just provided today, it really focused on the theme of hope when God provides hope. And some of the Bible stories that we shared 
um, ranged from the paralyzed man who was lowered from the roof to meet Christ, the army captain Naaman who contracted leprosy, and so God provided hope when he was scared and received bad news. And on day three was the story about how when Jesus and some of the other apostles went fishing and they couldn't catch anything, the following morning they caught a full net of fish. And this is something that Christ allowed even though uh, Peter denied Christ three times earlier on. So that's when God provided hope when somebody messed up. And day four talked about providing hope, uh, how God provided hope um, when somebody dies. And that was the story about how Elijah's son died and um, what Elijah did to help, to help her with that. So after the Bible lesson was shared, then Han did a great job leading the memory verse exercise. So an example of what she did was if you take the verse Psalm 121.2, she used hand motions where you can say, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And activities like that really was very effective to help the kids memorize the Bible verses and remember them after the week-long camp. And it even helped me this morning to help me remember how to, how to do that verse as well. So um, very useful. And then after that, um, we had, and I think we're going to have some of the other team members go into more detail to talk about the sports camp, the arts camp, and the book fair. But just real, short, uh, real quickly, for the sports camp, um, we had Hosan who led the soccer component, Joe was basketball, and Allison handled cheerleading. For the arts camp, we had Mimi and Izzy, as well as Zoe and Zinya, alternating days to lead that portion of the camp. And then again, the book fair, um, we appreciate all those donations that came through for that. So at this point, we will pass it off to, I think it's Zinya. Next slide, please who'll talk about the arts camp. Hi. Um, yes, yeah, so Mimi and Izzy and Zoe and I were asked to lead the arts camp um, on alternating days, as uh, Sue mentioned. I'll be honest, um, I was a little concerned because I'm a terrible teacher, and arts and crafts is not my strong suit. But my daughter is very craftsy, so I kind of leaned on her. Um, and I'm not very good at sports, so that was really my only option. Um, the camp was basically every day after sports camp. Um, it was about 30 minutes. We were given some guidelines. Um, we had to come up with a project every day. Um, and we kind of prepared a little bit in advance by meeting in advance um, a few weeks leading up to our trip, which was really great. And then Mimi and Izzy came in with their examples of art projects, and it was very impressive, so creative, very simple, but something that the kids could enjoy, and they kind of tied it back to the sermon, which um, you could or couldn't. So that was a little intimidating, and I was like, game on, Zoe, and <laughs> she brought it. She kind of had some really great ideas as well. Um, so I don't know if you saw the video that Zoe had. She had some examples, but... Um, Basically, we tried to tie it back to the sermon, and it was also nice to maybe give them something that they could take home with them. So um, the first project they did was the kaleidoscope, which was so so simple but so creative. And um, Mimi did a lot of work. She scored these little mirror pieces to fold it into this like um, 
toilet paper like tube and it was just amazing like how simple but like how you could how you can see the different images and she basically tied it back to the sermon where you know um the uh the paralyzed man and his friends uh brought down the uh found a different way of trying to get to Jesus so um tying it back to the kaleidoscope where you have different perspectives um and then the kids really enjoyed painting it on the second day we did um we did a little um a sea uh what is it called the what is it oh the the what the mini aquarium so we did a mini aquarium and um, basically that tied back into how Peter um, saw Jesus at the beach and um, they were able to get all that fish because Jesus was there. Um, the third project was the chimes, um, which um, was uh, based on the sea chimes. Actually, I switched that. <laughs> so the, the third project was based on the sea chimes when um, Peter saw Jesus and the the aquarium was just to give some peace of mind. Um, and then the last project we did was the prayer jar, um, where um, we allowed kids to write down their prayers um, on, uh, on um, popsicle sticks. I'm sorry, I didn't prepare in advance because I was doing all this stuff and helping the other kids. Um, put popsicle prayers on the sticks, um, and they could also design them in as well. So the whole... The whole process, um, personally for me, um, was actually a little bit more challenging than I was expecting because, as I said, I'm not craftsy and my daughter and I, um, you know, trying to find crafts that would fit kids from 4 to 18 and also we didn't know how many kids were going to be there, whether it's going to be 5 or 40. And so um, she had some great ideas and I kind of would constantly challenge her whether or not they would be appropriate for that age group and we could explain it well um, but in the end um, the kids really just enjoyed being there doing the crafts it could have really been anything and that is what Susan said that it really we didn't have to really spend a lot of time it was just about spending the time together and you saw that that you could have done anything and they just would have enjoyed doing it together and just spending time with them helping with them with the crafts um, and being able to talk to them and hear about their stories, they would open up about their families and their experience, about their dog who uh, was almost taken away because it had bitten somebody. Um, but that was, I think, a really special time just to spend time bonding with the kids. My name is Holden, and I helped run the soccer camp. The soccer camp had everybody participate in one drill. Uh, so we did dribbling, uh, passing, side dribbling, and more. And then after that, we did like a scrimmage or like sh penalty shots. And I also like to blow my whistle. Um, 
I think a lot of people like the soccer camp because a lot of the kids stayed and played all day long. Thank you. Hello. Okay. Hello. My name is Ryan, and I will be sharing the basketball overview with you. <laughs> we played basketball two out of the four days of the camp. Mr. Joe, or my dad, <laughs> led, the, led the younger kids' grades five and below with drills, games, and scrimmages, or the older kids' grades six and above organized and played their own scrimmages. It was a great time to bond with the other kids. I'm Allie, and I help with the cheerleading part of the camp. Um, we were actually asked by World Servants to have this extra component of the sports camp for some of the kids who might not have wanted to do the basketball or the soccer. So um, every day, we just learn new positions together, and then we would play games. Um, Han helped a lot with that, um, just incorporate different games and activities to help them remember the motions better. And then when they got the motions down, we started learning and practicing some new cheers. Hi. Hi, my name is Hi, my name is Xavier and this is my first mission trip. I thought this mission trip was really good for me because I got to build relationships and experience new things. I helped run the sports camp along with Josh Josh Holden and Ryan. And overall I thought it was really fun and great for the people at VBS because I think they got a lot out of it. Um I think that's because not only did they get better at sports and have a great time, but they also got to build strong relationships with each other and us. At the beginning, we stuck with people we were most comfortable with, so the groups were mostly contained of fr um, contained friends uh, who knew each other. But as the days went on, we got to really know each other, and some of the kids were even spent all camp in the gym playing with us. I thought the sports camp was really great and was a good way for people to start relationships and at the same time have a great time. Thank you. So just a quick thank you. I just wanted to announce that the Giving Garden raised just under $4,000. So thank you, Graceway family, for supporting the Kenya and the West Virginia team. And also thank you for the book drive and... We broke even on the t-shirts, which was our goal, actually. We were just trying to create awareness, so we kind of priced it in your cost. So that was, so thank you for all that support. Yay. All right, so now we're going to have a time of testimony. So, um, yep, Izzy will start this off. Thanks. Okay, 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 okay. Give me a second. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Isabel. Um, this was my first missions trip to West Virginia. I came with my mom and my sister. At first, the only reason I was going was because my mom made me go. And she was like, Isabel, you have to. But as we came closer to the trip, we had more meetings. Um, I was making new friends with new people. 
um, I became really excited to help people out and um, build relationships with people that are strangers. Um, when we got to West Virginia, I was put in charge of praise at VBS and um, teaching kids how to make wind chimes. So um, when I was writing my testimony, like two nights ago, I'm really underprepared, um, I had my earbuds in and Belinda Carlisle's song, Heaven is a Place on Earth, came on. And thanks, Belinda, because I'm going to use your 80s hit to kickstart my speech. Um, so this line in the song says, They say in heaven love comes first, we'll make heaven a place on earth. And I feel as if the point of our trip was to fill people's days with love and make heaven a place on earth while we were in West Virginia. I had so much fun singing praise to the kids that attended VBS this year. It was amazing to see their progress throughout the four days that we were there. On the first day, everyone was really like iffy on it. Um, they were probably looking at me saying, like, what is this girl doing? I was playing the ukulele, doing really odd motions. But um, when we reached the last two days of VBS, uh, we had kids that came up onto the stage with us and did motions, and they were singing, and they were happy and jumping around. So it was really cool to see that. Um, and we were also at the construction like while we were painting Miss Diana's house, um, we were able to build really strong connections with her and also with the people that we visited while we were delivering bread. Um, as Han was saying, um, we met a lady whose daughter had drug addiction, who, whose daughter had a drug addiction, and um, a man who had been diagnosed with liver cancer, and we were able to pray for them both. Um, the first book of James, verses 2 to 4, say, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What I take away from this verse is that God wants us to respond to trials, to the hard things in our lives, in a way that demonstrates our trust in him. One misfortune that my family and Han faced during this trip was that our room was very odd-smelling. Um, we tried candles, air fresheners, disinfectant spray, and none of them made a dent in the peculiar smell that was coming from the walls. After a day of complaining, God told me that I was being a brat. Like, seriously, Isabel, we came here to help people that have more serious issues than a funky smell that I only have to deal with for maybe an hour each day. As the book of James explains, I need to respond to my hardships with joy so that I may be mature. I mean, afterwards, the Chang family was nice enough to loan me their extra room in a better-smelling suite. I guess what I've been meaning to say is that on this trip, I've learned more about what it's like to be a Christian, and I'm really grateful for it. You never really seem to think about how awesome and easy life is until you, and, until you lend a helping hand to those who don't have things handed to them on a silver platter. My perspective on gratefulness was completely changed after I witnessed how appreciative people in West Virginia were to our small acts of kindness. I will try, to, I will try my best to carry this perspective with me throughout my daily life from now on. Through this trip, I believe God was calling out to me to take less for myself and care more for others. So to end my testimony, I just wanted to thank this team and all of the people that I met in West Virginia for changing my life. Thank you.
My name is Mimi. Uh, my daughters are Isabel and Tia, um, and this is our first missions trip. Um, God blesses us with, each one of us with many talents, and organization and public speaking isn't one of mine, so just bear with me. Um, and as Joe says, uh, let the, as the spirit leads. Where is he? I always keep that with me now. <laughs> um, so uh, when we first started, we volunteered uh, on the West Virginia trip uh, to serve others, but what we came back with was so much more. Um, I'll start by, we started off the trip with a little bit of a, a miracle. Um, Tia, uh, on the first day, she was, her eye was bothering her, and she just kept complaining about it, complaining about it. And um, I was a little worried. So we got there, and um, we had spent the night, our first night, and we were getting ready for um, construction and BBS the next day. So she woke up and her eye was like swollen. And so all I could think about that morning when we woke up was like, oh my God, like how am I supposed to get through the day just thinking about, you know, my child, her eye swollen, should I take her to the hospital? I don't know if she has an infection. Um, but, you know, we went to the 7 o'clock um, prayer, meet, uh, prayer meeting and we met at groups. This was our first prayer meeting. And um, in our individual groups, we prayed for Tia, you know, in her eye. By the time we left for construction, the swelling had gone down in her eye, and she said, it doesn't bother me at all. So I felt like God blessed us, you know, just because he took that off my plate. He said, don't worry about it. Let me handle that. You handle serving me, which was wonderful. So that was a little bit of, uh, you know, our first little miracle, which I just, I keep with me. Um, so during the course, you know, we connected with a lot of uh, adults and kids, you know, from West Virginia. Um, Diana, that was, you know, that had suffered loss. Um, and we helped her with the house. She was so grateful. She just kept coming outside and talking with us. And um, it was... It was great because, you know, part of you is just like, okay, we're here to work. But then the other part is, you know, it was really important to connect with the people that you're serving, you know, because that is even more important. Um, the kids at the camp, they were all great. Uh, they were each had their little troubles in life and in their family life. Um, Pastor Tim and his wife Rose, they were wonderful and they had a, a lot of stories to share, which was a lot of fun to hear. Um, but what I wanted to focus most now was um, what I got out of the trip was the relationships that we made with each other in our team. Uh, that was really important to me. That's what I got out of it. Han, I mean, I would never, you know, the short time that we're here every Sunday, we go to service, and then we spend like an hour, less than an hour at fellowship. We don't have a chance to meet everybody here, you know? So it was nice to be broken down into a smaller group. We spend five days, you know, with each other. We wake up with each other. We do prayer together. We eat together. We do journaling together. 
Han, I would probably never have gotten to know you as much as I did in this trip, you know, if I didn't go on this trip. So these little relationships are so important. We found out that, like, each one of us, the most of the adults, we were all born in 1972. <laughs> so that was exciting, you know? It was, like, exciting to hear all the common stuff we have with each other. So, um, you know, it was... that. Those relationships meant a lot, and uh, not only for me, but for my kids. Um, Tia, who is super, super quiet, especially when she, you know, if she doesn't know you, she doesn't, she doesn't make eye contact, nothing, you know. But with this group, she opened up so beautifully, and she trusted Joe for, like, piggyback rides, and she stayed in, you know, the Kang's room while I went out uh, to go get a few things for the smelly room. But, um, so it was nice, and at the end, like, she, she was pretty sad about leaving because she was so used to, like, everybody here. I mean, we're, we're like family now. So, um, you know, she still has her, she won't take, you know, those little bracelet things, you know, that we were all dying. As soon as, like, we, the last day, it was a bracelet for our meals. And so we were cutting them all off. To this day, she won't let me take that bracelet off because she says she doesn't want to forget the memories that she made on that trip. You know, the people, every, you know, that's, that's special. So, um, you know, through prayer and fellowship, we became family this group. Um, and, you know, Pastor Tim over at the Faith Church over there, he says in his sermon, he replaces the word in the Bible, church, with the word family. And, um, you know, he believes that no matter where you are, you know, it's the people that you, you know, pray with, the people that you have fellowship that's your church. You don't have to be in a physical church. You could just be with each other, and that's the church. And um, so this is a family, not, not all individual families, but one family serving God. And um, that's what I got out of it. Thank you. Hi, I'm Zoe. Um, this was my first mission, missions trip with my family and just in general. So um, I'm just going to start off my testimony with telling you um, about something that I hate, which is complaining, um, which is kind of ironic because my parents have told me many times that that's one of my stronger talents. <laughs> so um, uh, nevertheless, it is one of the things that bothers me the most. And this dislike has grown over the years. Um, especially after reading articles and hearing stories about people and places around the world who suffer under unfortunate conditions. Um, I mean, why complain about how slow it takes for hot water to come on um, in your house when 60% of the world's population doesn't even have access to adequate water-related sanitation? But there I was at 8 o'clock on a Sunday night complaining about the fact that I had to shower in ice-cold water in a college dorm because I was impatient and hadn't wanted to wait for the hot water to turn on. So... Um, that was only one of the many things that I complained about during the trip. Um, I also complained about how hot it was, um, that my throat hurt, my head hurt, um, that the bathroom counter was too dirty and we couldn't put anything on top of it. 
So looking back, I think about how annoying I must have been to my family and the other people surrounding. But I still complain, so sorry, Mom and Dad. Um, so I felt bad for complaining, and as the trip continued, I started to feel even worse because it seemed as if I had spent so much time complaining um, that um, moping around about my sore throat and head that I barely helped out at all. Um, was I even contributing? Did other people think that I was indifferent to the mission and the kids who attended the VBS? Why was I so stuck on the fact that I had acquired a minor cold and wasn't feeling 100%? At VBS, I looked around and saw kids who I had eventually learned backstories of. Kids who had rough lives, even though they were only seven or eight. This reflected the rest of the community. Many of them had also gone through and are still going through very hard, um, they're going through many hardships, but despite all that, the kids ran around happily and got excited over tiny things such as a small prize, and the adults all talked about their love for God even after the occurrence of their misfortunes. So I thought, how? How are they still happy despite the rough lives they have? How is their belief in God still so strong even after all of their suffering? After thinking about this more times than I could count, the answer came to me. During multiple meetings that were held throughout the trip, our World Servants leader, Cheryl, mentioned that wealth isn't everything and that the people in the area we were staying were wealthy in many other ways. I understood what she meant at the time, um, yeah, we may be more comfortable, and, but they're talented at like other things. Um, however, because these questions that I had um, became frequent, um, when it was brought up again in a later meeting, I began to look at it in another way. Something clicked in me, or rather, God made something click in me. So we're lucky to have AC and warm water and nicer clothes, and yes, the people in the area were talented at many different things, like woodworking, but personally, I don't think that is what their wealth is. Um, I believe it is the fact that they notice the smaller things in life that bring joy to people and let those moments overtake the negative ones. So God gave them the gift of noticing the small happy things other than the negative things and because of that they're able to look at the glass half full as opposed to half empty which is what I believe I do most of the time. So I believe that that is their version of wealth. So um, God is always there with you providing you with support and your own type of wealth. And though it may not always come in the form of money and comfort, um, because money and comfort aren't everything, having love for others and being appreciative of small acts is more important and will help spread happiness and joy to others. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Mr. Ho. Uh, this was also my first missions trip, and as uh, my first trip, I endeavored to find myself by serving others and allowing Christ deeper into my heart by opening both it and my life uh, to others. Um, in preparing for the trip, uh, like many, I often found myself comparing um, the West Virginia trips of past with other missions trips to the DR, to Kenya, uh, even uh, as far back as New Orleans. And I wondered if our presence, and in particular my presence, uh, was, was necessary or needed uh, in West Virginia. After all, I was born and raised in a region of Pennsylvania uh, not dissimilar to West Virginia. And uh, I recall many times people joking that Pennsylvania is essentially West Virginia bookended by Philly and Pittsburgh. Um, so how different could it actually be? Um, but sure, I was familiar with the depressed economy in the region and the debate surrounding the coal industry, which served as the backbone for the state for so many years. 
Uh, it's not um, until one witnesses the effect and an impact that industry and commerce has on these smaller communities uh, can we understand and em empathize with and ultimately, in this case, help to serve in some small manner. Um, small rural communities have been decimated. Families are often challenged with issues like abuse and drug addiction that we've heard earlier today. And ultimately, the children take the brunt of all of this, and we got to share a lot of that with the children that we met. Uh, for this uh, reason, uh, in our spiritual journey, for, for my family and myself, um, we, we signed up. Excuse me. Um, each evening, uh, our team met uh, for fellowship and worship, and we reflected upon the day. Um, as part of our routine, uh, Han... Um, held journaling, which uh, was, was quite compelling. Um, and uh, it, it was a form of spiritual exercise um, that I was unfamiliar with. And I actually wanted to share uh, two of my entries with you uh, this afternoon. Um, uh, I'll start with day one. Uh, chaos, packing, checking, departing. The morning was an avalanche of activity in preparation for our family's inaugural missions trip. Sorry. It's, it's terrible getting older. Stress, stress from work, preparation for the trip, the travel, and the squabbling tested my patience and grace. But we pushed off. It wasn't until the yelling subsided and we cleared eastern Pennsylvania did the majesty of the Lord speak to me through the landscape, both natural and man-made. The rolling hills of corn and livestock, the silence of the farmhouses, the cool blue sky, and the dancing Queen Anne's lace flowers were a stark contrast to the concrete jungle we left behind in our wake. God's presence was felt, and it gave me strength and calmness as the tumultuous ride transformed into one of joy, curiosity, and love within my family. God blessed and humbled us with genuine conversation, discussions about things at home and school, in addition to our expectations for the trip served as the backdrop for the visual conversation that we saw before us during our drive to West Virginia and what was to come. Uh, day two, discovery. This is the second journal entry. Discovery day. Our discovery day was filled with love and mutual service with one another and those we served. The power of actions shone through from beginning to end. We worked as teams during the painting of Diana's house despite the challenges we faced. We worked together to solve technical and presentation uh, and AV issues during VBS. Han's VBS lesson was executed with love, and for this reason, it was engaging and simple to embrace. Uh, basketball and cheerleading camps were successful and attributed to the teamwork of our group. Both adults and children uh, were involved in, uh, as you saw earlier, um, in, in um, leading those groups. And uh, the VBS campers responded. Um, we, we got to really get to know uh, a lot of the young um, campers um, that attended. Leaders led and served, while those who followed did so graciously. When we encountered obstacles, we worked in service of one another out of love and our faith and loving Jesus Christ. Much of this is attributed to our leaders in Susan and Joe Kang. They provided informative discussions and structure while also allowing for serendipitous changes to take place. Our group is inclusive, and we had faith that through the Lord, we may share our love for one another with those and with those we touch. Diana, the widow and homeowner, Cheryl, our often challenging world servants handler, our VBS campers, their parents, 
and as a result, I feel closer to Christ. Through the landscape, the people we encountered, the experiences gained, I witnessed the potential strength of a small community, and it did remind me of my childhood growing up in simpler times where things slowed down, and not in a bad way. The hustle and bustle we are all too familiar with uh, wasn't present, and we had the opportunity to engage with the community. Moreover, it gave us time to also develop our relationships to one another within the team and in turn grow spiritually. I witnessed love and togetherness within our team uh, in service and in individuals touching one another's hearts. And I felt that uh, in all sincerity, we walked humbly. Uh, there were a few things I wanted to share with you, um, some, some, some things I learned and some observations I picked up along the way. Apparently, uh, ginseng grows wild in West Virginia and sold from $200 to $700 per pound. Um, typical wild game served at the dinner table can include venison, squirrel, possums, rabbit, and groundhog. Uh, Pastor Tim invited us back to try the groundhog in exchange for kimchi chiga. Um, according to one mission member, team member, Jesus apparently has meaty dry hands. <laughs> uh, that was a reference to the video you saw. Um, during our trip, we discovered that uh, all the parents, Mimi referenced this, all of our parents on our trip shared the same birth year. And while Joe and Susan uh, were our team leaders, we had to be mindful of and show respect and insight toward our oldest mem team member, uh, Zinnia. <laughs> um, I, I truly observed the strength and in diversity and strengths in our team, truly, because the year's mission trip um, involved a number of facets that we saw in the video. Uh, each member of our team contributed in their own uh, unique way, and it was humbling, a humbling experience to watch and participate. Uh, I just wanted to leave you with uh, the opening verse to a John Denver song, which was also released around the same time of uh, our birth year in the 70s. Um, um, where our, our, our team parents came into this world. It's not a song I typically play, but we played it a lot um, as we arrived at West Virginia. Um, it's um, from Don, John Denver. Um, I just wanted to recite the first verse. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Life is old there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like a breeze. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, from the West Virginia team. Uh, we pre appreciate 